Jesse Russell stared at the disfigured animatronic cat in the package that had just arrived from London. This didn't look like Grumpy Cat, feline internet celebrity whose sourpuss face launched a thousand memes. This looked like robotic roadkill. We were horrified at what we saw. The eye color was wrong. The lids looked bug-eyed. It was horrible. But Jesse had a job to do. As the marketing coordinator at Madame Tussauds Wax Museum in San Francisco, he was charged with overseeing the debut of this new attraction to the Bay Area media and a hand-picked group of VIPs. Well, actually, that's not entirely accurate, because the biggest celebrity on the guest list was not a very important person at all. It was Grumpy Cat herself. And apparently, in the internet age, even the cats have pushy, demanding managers. And for Jesse Russell, this was going to be the worst kind of day for a marketing coordinator. The kind of day where you're constantly screaming on the inside. The kind of day that makes you question your life choices. And the kind of day where you wish that you'd never even heard of the term meme manager. But with the recent news of Grumpy Cat's unexpected passing, rest in peace, little guy, Jesse is going to relive that day with us. I'm Dusty Weiss from PodCamp Media. This is Lead Balloon, a podcast about PR, marketing, and branding nightmares and the well-meaning communications professionals who lived them. Strategic communications, PR, marketing, these are great fields to work in. It's an outlet for creativity, you meet interesting people, and there's always a new story to tell. But anyone who's ever worked in the biz can also tell you that this can be an infuriating, soul-crushing career path at times, fraught with big egos and small people. And when things go wrong, the media, the internet, the entire world knows instantly. So, disaffected communications professionals, welcome to your safe space. I want you to look at Lead Balloon as your own personal on-demand group therapy session. As often as I'm able, I'll be here to bring you tales from other comms people whose horror stories will make yours pale in comparison, hopefully. We'll laugh a little, commiserate a little, and maybe learn something in the process, too. But mostly, what I want you to take away from this show is that we get you, and we're here for you. Because this show will be coming out intermittently, make sure that you subscribe to our feed in your favorite podcasting app. That way you won't miss any new episodes when they come out. If you or someone you know has a marketing or PR hell day story that you think rises into the pantheon of the all-time, I'd love to hear it. Email me at dusty at podcampmedia.com. And for behind-the-scenes insights, outtakes, and shenanigans, follow PodCamp Media on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. So, as I was researching this episode, I was a little surprised to learn that Grumpy Cat first came onto the scene in 2012, which, I get it, by internet standards, seven years old is ancient. But maybe it's Grumpy Cat's old lady scowl, maybe it's the level of infamy that she achieved, eight million Facebook followers, product line. TV appearances, a spokescat job for Friskies. 
a Lifetime original movie. Aubrey Plaza brings the internet sensation to life. This is the best Christmas ever. Go ahead, ignore the title of my movie. Grumpy Cat's worst Christmas ever. Jingle but in my head canon, it just sort of felt like Grumpy Cat had been around longer than seven years. Like something from the era between Star Wars Kid and Homestar Runner. Before she ever became internet famous, Grumpy Cat lived an innocuous life in Morristown, Arizona under her given name, Tartar Sauce. Her perpetual frown is attributed to feline dwarfism. And like so many memes, Grumpy Cat started with a post to Reddit. Just a picture of a funny-looking cat that resonated with people. And suddenly, Grumpy Cat memes were everywhere. Cats sometimes get a bad rap as being grumpy. Most famous feline on the planet right now. If you haven't already met her, meet Grumpy Cat. Oh my Grumpy Cat! It's actually a gal. That's the number one oh. secret fact you need to know about Grumpy Cat. So, that, look at that. Look at that face. That's how it happened. <laughs> yeah. hey. well, congratulations on all the success for the, the cat. Thanks for having us. Grumpy Cat, in fact, won what I can only assume is the coveted title of Meme of the Year in the 2013 Webby Awards. I don't know what you remember about that year, but that was the same trip around the sun that brought us Gangnam Style and the Harlem Shake, a pretty competitive year by meme standards. And this is apparently such a big deal that the award was announced by comedian Patton Oswalt. Which meme was the most profound, the most moving, and the most inspiring. But in the end, the winner, by a landslide, was... Oh, Grumpy Cat! Grumpy Cat! And what I think is worth noting about this clip is that Pat Oswalt, an otherwise serious, well-known celebrity, keeps his sense of humor throughout this tongue-in-cheek presentation. I mean, we're talking about presenting an award to a cat upon whose picture other people wrote funny captions and shared those things on the internet. Lest we lose our grounding in reality as a society, that is pretty absurd and silly. But in this era, absurd and silly is also absurdly big business. Estimates on the value of the Grumpy Cat brand peg its value at up to $100 million. And that kind of money prompts a lot of people to lose their grip on reality. That's about where our buddy Jesse Russell crossed paths with the internet's most famous cat. And the story that follows is a morality tale of sorts. What happens when bad luck gets blown out of proportion by worse people? Jesse, the year was 2015. Those were heady days. How did you wind up in a position to meet Grumpy Cat? I was a marketing coordinator at Madame Tussauds in San Francisco. And if you're not familiar with Madame Tussauds, it's a wax attraction. It's global. At the time I was working there, I think there were 17 around the world. It was kind of a new attraction for San Francisco. It replaced what was a historic wax museum on Fisherman's Wharf. So Madame Tussauds kind of came in, rebranded it, updated it for the new age of selfies so people could get up close to the wax figures and, and touch them and engage with them and wear costumes. So I was there it was about a, a year after we had opened and we decided to launch a quote unquote wax figure of Grumpy Cat because Grumpy Cat was very popular at the time. Very hot meme, as it were. And it was the first time that Madame Tussauds would launch a cat. I would imagine the first time Madame Tussauds launched a meme too, right? Yes. Yeah, it was definitely their first meme. 
And so this historic responsibility essentially fell into your lap for coordinating the launch of this. What went into that? So a lot of the decisions about what gets launched at the various wax attractions at Madame come from London. That's where the company is based. Merlin Entertainments is the mothership company for Madame Tussauds. So London thought that Grumpy Cat had enough cachet that San Francisco being a tech city, Silicon Valley, would be a great location to launch this new Grumpy Cat, which is also animatronic. I should probably mention that too. So it was not only the first cat, the first meme, it was also the first official animatronic figure that Mabdrasos was launching. The idea being that this is like a, a robot cat that blinks and swishes its tail and I'm assuming just stares you down with this sort of <laughs> disdain that uh, rivals that of Grumpy Cat. Yeah, she didn't smile, uh, but she did move her head back and forth. Her eyes would move up and down and I believe her ears would also wiggle a little bit. <laughs> That's so wonderfully strange. Everything about wax museums <laughs> yeah, has always kind of yeah. creeped me out a little bit. And so you put a robot cat in there and it's just, it's the perfect storm for me. Well, you know, that's kind of like the, the thing about Madame Dussault's in, in a, what they've been trying to kind of get away from for the past decade since, since Merlin acquired the Madame Dussault's brand is every time somebody writes about a wax figure or writes about a Madame Dussault's wax figure, the word creepy always comes up <laughs> and it's kind of like this weird uncanny valley where you do see this wax figure and especially in Madame Dussault's case where they look almost identical to the wax figure but they've been trying really hard to kind of get away from that word and and I as someone who was in the marketing department and somebody who had this job at Madame Dussault's never thinking I'd work somewhere like that I could definitely see why it would be offensive because the studio artists put a lot of time into creating these figures. It can take up to four months to build one of these figures. I have to agree with them that when the media says that, I don't think it's fair. It's worth revisiting because it's not the kind of wax museum that they used to be. I think that's a worthy debate. <laughs> I think that I disagree with you wholeheartedly. I'm, I'm not saying that it's not its own art form. I think that there's uh, an incredible amount of skill and work that goes into it, but I think that I think a thing can simultaneously be an art form, but also be creepy. And I would submit to you the entire book, American Gods by Neil Gaiman as evidence. <laughs> right. So Jesse circled the date of the big animatronic Grumpy Cat launch on his calendar and began the work of promoting the event. They teased it with branded memes, alerted the local and national media, and invited a hundred Grumpy Cat superfans. But the biggest name on the guest list? was the cantankerous cat celebrity herself. Yeah, Madame Dussault's, they call it a side-by-side. -side. It's when you have the celebrity and the wax figure next to each other so you can see how realistic the wax figure looks. And in a perfect world, when the media is there snapping photos, you won't be able to tell a difference. And that's the sign of a successful side-by-side -side press event. So we had booked Grumpy Cat, basically. Grumpy was coming with her family and her manager. They're going to be there a day ahead of time so we could make sure it looked as realistic as possible because Grumpy and the cat had not been next to each other since the original measurements were taken. Wait, they flew the cat to London to take measurements? Or they, they possibly came over here too, but they would measure everything from whisker size to ear size to tail length to make sure it's as realistic as possible. So we'd done all that pre-work. The guest list was booked. Grumpy Cat was flying in. Hotels were booked for Grumpy and her family. We had Berkeley Humane Society coming in with their mobile adoption unit. They're going to be parked out front with cats that people could adopt. So everything was in place. And that's a whole lot of pressure on you to make sure that everything goes 
perfectly. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, we we did a lot of these. Prior to Grumpy Cat, the San Francisco team launched side-by-sides with Zendaya, Sam Smith, Steph Curry came later, but Jeremy Lin, Laverne Cox. So we've had a lot of experience doing this, but not with an animatronic cat. It was shipped to us, and the programmer of Grumpy Cat, animatronic Grumpy Cat, he would fly in a day later, and a studio person from London would fly in the day before to do all final touches on the cat. So we opened the box, and we were horrified at what we saw. Oh, no. It was not Grumpy Cat in that box. The eye color was wrong. The lids looked bug-eyed. It just looked like a scraggly... It was horrible. Was it just built incorrectly or was it damaged in shipping? No, it was just, it didn't look like Grumpy Cat. So we didn't know what happened. We were shocked that London would send us a wax figure that wasn't complete and uncanny. And usually there is some touch up. That's why we have a studios person come in and the celebrity come in at least two hours before we do a side by side because we'll do the wax figure's hair to look like the celebrities will do makeup touch up. That'll all happen in advance just to make sure we're picture perfect. But in this case, our team did not know how we were going to get that cat from what it looked like to putting it next to Grumpy Cat. And so all of a sudden, your entire team is behind the eight ball. And you, as the marketing coordinator, are essentially stuck here thinking what? Well, we did try to decide if we could cancel the event if we weren't ready or Grumpy Cat, but it was determined that that decision was not in our hands, in San Francisco's hands. That was up to London. And they felt confident about moving forward. So so we said, okay, this is going to happen. So we do the best job that we can. So our studios team started to get to work on fixing up Grumpy Cat, and especially fixing the eyes, because if you look at any meme of Grumpy Cat, it's really her eyes and her frown. Those are kind of like the key components of that meme. That sort of disdainful stare, that all-knowing haughtiness. Yeah, exactly. So we started doing that work. And when the eventually, when the London Studios person came in, she was able to continue to do that work and really kind of bring this figure up to grumpy quality. But then the programmer arrived and we learned that the cat wasn't actually working. Oh, no. The programming wasn't finished. The code wasn't, wasn't done being written. Whatever it was... Grumpy Cat would not move on its own. This was a day before launch, and the programmer is furiously typing into a computer trying to get this cat to start moving and do what it's supposed to do. And then Grumpy's family shows up. Tabitha and her brother, they were incredibly sweet, nice, friendly people. Uh, They were completely understanding of the situation. They did not express to us any concerns with the way Grumpy looked or the fact that Grumpy wasn't moving. They were just very happy to be there. Your team at this point had given the Grumpy Cat doppelganger a once-over and sort of pieced her back together as well as they could. Scale of 1 to 10, what sort of condition did she come in at and and how close was she by the time they showed up? I would have put her at like a 3 when she showed up. It was, it was not a good-looking cat. Uh, and by the time they showed up, uh, we were probably up to like a seven, which is not bad up so standard. Okay, so pretty good. Yeah, getting there. Like a, a C plus, B minus. Yeah, but Grumpy's manager was not happy, and he started to make it known. <laughs> I want to... Do you ever just find yourself 
like paralyzed with despair when you remember that we live in a world where there are famous cats who have managers? <laughs> it's pretty incredible. I mean, it's this guy, I'm actually really impressed by what he was able to carve out for himself. He is the meme manager. I think that's his official title for Grumpy Cat, for Neon Cat, for Keyboard Cat. What's that? The, the kid with the fist, fist pump, like success kid. <laughs> He manages all those memes and in this role from what from what I understand is that he helps continue to make sure that they are in the public consciousness. He helps them get book deals. He helps Grumpy Cat, you know, tour the country and he manages to make sure nobody's infringing on, on the copyrights, which I'm sure is a really hard thing to do when you're managing a meme. So the whole point of a meme is that it's viral and it's out there and it's in everybody's face all the time and anybody can take it and shape it into whatever they want. Exactly. But I guess if you're going out, I mean, people were sued for making Grumpy Cat mugs or things like that without getting them officially licensed. So there must be a limit between what you do as a Redditor versus what you do as somebody trying to make money off of. Grumpy's likeness or Neon Cat's likeness or Keyboard Cat's likeness. I don't know. I'm pretty sure that Keyboard Cat died in the 1980s. <laughs> well, that's that's where he got to start, though. Keyboard Cat was his first client because it was a friend of the family that started the Keyboard Cat meme. And he's like, oh, here's an opportunity. You know, make sure these brands are controlled. In the name of civility, we are not going to be naming Grumpy Cat's manager. But you said that Grumpy Cat's manager was not very happy about the state of Grumpy Cat and made that known. So I want to plumb the depths of that notion and and flesh it out a little bit here. And we're going to do that with Jesse Russell here on Lead Balloon in a minute. This is Lead Balloon, a marketing podcast for people who hate marketing podcasts. We're talking with Jesse Russell, who's a good follow on Twitter. Find him at Comet Star Moon. He's a great writer, too, by the way. But today he's sharing the tale of the day that Internet sensation Grumpy Cat came to Madame Tussauds, along with an entourage of trouble. Maybe I should play up the drama on that. An entourage of trouble. (laughs) Jesse... Grumpy Cat's meme manager was not too happy with you when he saw that the animatronic Grumpy Cat at Madame Tussauds in San Francisco was not all that he expected. Well, at first it wasn't it wasn't too bad at first. It was understandable criticism. Some of his concerns that we had already experienced ourselves, but we were working on the problem. The programmer, he literally worked overnight trying to get that cat moving the way it should be moving. The studio's team, they were also working in overtime to make sure the fake Grumpy Cat looked as much like the real Grumpy Cat as possible. And now we actually had the real Grumpy Cat with us, so they had a better reference than just photos. This is the day before. Eventually, I had to go home and reviewing emails that I sent to my wife at this time. Oh, no. um, I went back home pretty late. We have this big event tomorrow. There are going to be 100 people in line. We have all these players showing up at 11 o'clock, so we need to be ready to go. So I went home and woke up bright and early the next morning to launch the side-by-side with Grumpy Cats. So the next morning, the first thing I find out when I arrive at Madame Dussault's is that the cat still is not moving on her own. The the wax cat, the fake cat. We have to come up with a solution to figure out how are we going to kind of fake this because we can't go live and not have the cat moving. What we end up doing is both the Grumpies, 
Grumpy One and Grumpy Two, Real Grumpy and Fake Grumpy. Doppel Grumpy. Well, yeah, Doppel Grumpy. <laughs> We're going to be on a pedestal next to each other. So we figured out a way to get the programmer to kind of hide him underneath the pedestal behind a curtain, just like the Great Oz. And he was just going to be sitting back there with his laptop making Grumpy move for the entire side by side. I suppose it beats like a weekend at Bernie's fix. Yeah, well, it would have been awful because we were, we were promoting this animatronic cat. is this big thing. Mountain Hose has never done this before. We're going to have an animatronic wax figure. That's not really wax. How can you do that and then not have the cat actually twitching and moving? So he was back there making its eyelids go up and down and its ears move around while people kind of cycled through and looked at the cat. And no one was the wiser until this very moment when I'm talking to you about our podcast. <laughs> well, I didn't realize we were going to be breaking news. Yes. <laughs> I'll alert my people at the BuzzFeed meme desk. But all of this, while kind of an unpleasant situation, is, is by no means untenable. You know, these, this series of small crises, this is essentially what my entire career in public relations and marketing was, was just one mini disaster after another, and then you just handle it as best you can and, and kind of keep on grinding. But this day sort of rose to the level of being extra crappy uh, for you, and it all comes back to this manager. Well, I was feeling good about where we had gotten things to, considering where we were four days previously. I have a long history of running events, and I know that what's most important is the perception that the public walks away with. You could be having a crisis and a catastrophe behind the scenes, but as long as none of that leaks through to the public, as long as it all stays behind the curtain, usually it's it's good results. That's That's what you want. I booked a band for a different event. And the band wanted a very specific speaker and it was in their rider. So we actually had to go break into somebody's house who was on vacation and steal a speaker from his house. He knew we were stealing it, but he told us to break his window so we could go in and get this very specific speaker for this musician. I mean, that's a story for another podcast. Crisis managed. Everything went on as planned and the public was none the wiser. Yeah. And great press. So I was feeling pretty good when I got to work and we figured out a solution for the programmer. But there was one person who was not feeling very good at all and wanted everyone, and especially me, to know it. And that was Grumpy's meme manager. He felt our studio's team did not do a good enough job, and the animatronic Grumpy cat did not look like his cat. He was angry that we had to fake the moving animatronics, which is that's fair. But I think when we actually put Grumpy Cat next to Grumpy Cat, you couldn't really tell. If you've ever had a chance to meet Grumpy Cat, she doesn't really move. She just kind of like hangs out there while people walk by and take selfies <laughs> with her. So she's a very chill cat anyway. So our animatronic cat was probably moving more than the real Grumpy Cat. And I think our studio team did a pretty good job. And, you know, yesterday, the day before, I was at a seven. I was probably closer to a nine at this point. But he wasn't. And I guess if you spend that much time with Grumpy Cat, you probably really get to know what she looks like. And and all of her flaws and all of her all of her beauty. And you want that represented in any kind of image that is out there. This guy, was this just sort of the normal level of persnicketiness that you find normally in a manager? Or was this person just on the warpath to make everybody around him miserable? Yeah, eventually he went to 11. And he decided to go to 11, I'd say it was about 45 minutes to 30 minutes before showtime. I happened to be in the back hall. I was kind of running from one area to another area, and he cornered me. There was nobody else in this hallway. 
and he cornered me. My back was against the wall. His finger was in my face and he proceeded to tell me, and I wrote a lot of this down, that Reddit was going to tear Madame Tussauds apart. Reddit was going to be very unhappy and you don't want to make Reddit unhappy. I was going to personally be responsible for ruining Grumpy's brand <laughs> and her reputation. Me, me. He said, you're going to be made fun of in the press. They're going to make a mo- you're making a mockery of Madame Tussauds. I can't believe you let this happen. He went on and on and on. And it felt like it was like an hour, but it was probably only like five minutes, but literally yelling at me. And I think he only stopped because the operations manager of Madame Tussauds came around the corner at that time. He walked away and I was shaken to my core because I could not remember the last time somebody had spoken to me like that. And I was furious and very frustrated and it was shocking. And you asked the question, you know, is this normal? And it's not. You know, like I listed off before, we've worked with Peter Dinklage, Steph Curry. I've worked with all their managers and all their publicists. We'd have little comments like, oh, we, well, you should have had, you know, the right bowl of M&Ms, you know, that kind of thing. But I'd never been screamed at. I'd never been cornered. There were so many things that were out of my control as the marketing coordinator, Mam Dussault's. Yet he felt, for whatever reason, that he had to channel all that energy, that stress that he was feeling into me. And it sucks. We pulled off the event successfully. We had 356 million global media impressions. There weren't any negative comments on Reddit that I could find. And let me tell you, I did look. And even Berkeley Humane Society, we managed to have a cat adopted right out in front of the attraction. So there were all kinds of little successes that we had. And there was not a single article, there was not a snarky BuzzFeed post saying, this cat doesn't look alike, the animatronics don't look. Nobody knew any of that. Nobody saw that. They just saw the magic of Madame Tussauds creating this replica of this very loved, grumpy cat. I've kind of, I've been through the ringer with uh, a couple of bad clients and bad celebrities, bad politicians. I mean, they're out there and and they're sort of one of the perils of, of working in this field. In my career, I've been put in some really weird and untenable situations, and my response, at least, has always been to kind of, I don't know, steer into the skid, keep a sense of humor about it, just laugh it off and and do my job to the best of my ability, but not insist on berating other people or just taking myself far too seriously. And it sounds like you kept your perspective during what became a day from hell for you, but Grumpy Cat's me manager, it sounds like, couldn't appreciate the absurdity of this situation. Why do you think that there are people in this field who just seem to be incapable of lightening up? I do think there is a lot on the line. If we had sent the animatronic Grumpy Cat out there the way it looked on day three, it would have been a catastrophe like like he felt. A catastrophe? <laughs> yes, it would have been a catastrophe. Sorry, we had to get um, that worked in here at some yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, and he's paid to make sure Grumpy Cat is presented in the best light. That's his job is to make sure every possible article is positive about these memes that that he's managing or any celebrity really like their publicist is paid to make sure that they're being portrayed in the best possible light. And I imagine it probably is really easy for something like this to get out of control. And so you're probably on pins and needles all the time. And I don't know what his relationship was with the London team. I don't know if maybe there was frustration coming from that end of things too. 
that was fueling this and I was just an easy target. Some people just don't have that filter to stop themselves from from taking it out on the wrong people. Jesse, I think that you are being entirely too empathetic with <laughs> Grumpy Cat's manager here. No, I do. I mean that because yeah. I think that there is the normal stress of the job and snapping off a, a couple mean words to a person in, in the heat of the moment. And then I think that in this case, and in, in, in the case of people who berate others, I think that you're not dealing with normal stress and, and a normal way of blowing it off. I think you're dealing with a person who's insecure in their standing in the world and is belittling somebody else to make themselves feel better about who they are, to help them sleep at night. So I think you're giving Grumpy Cat's meme manager entirely too much credit here. Uh, but I, I'm glad that you said that the meme manager took it up to 11 because when you tell this story, it reads like an honest-to-God farce. This reads like a Christopher Guest script. Yeah. Did it feel that way in the moment? Were you able to appreciate the humor? It was, yeah, it definitely wasn't until the operations manager, Amanda, so handed me a bottle of scotch and said, you did tremendous work and you deserve this, that I, I could start to appreciate it. You know, actually, I think kind of think it was when Berkeley Humane Society told me that someone adopted a cat from their mobile adoption unit. It was at that point, I was like, that's great. We were able to give a cat a home, you know, that probably would not have been adopted today. Uh, we were able to bring exposure to this little humane society that's constantly trying to get funding. That helped a lot because that was, it was a very small thing. And I wouldn't know about the media impressions until days later. but. That said, okay, this wasn't all bad. You know, um, everybody that walked to that attraction, they seemed really happy to get to meet Grumpy Cat in person. And they seemed to love the opportunity to actually get their picture taken with two Grumpy Cats. So seeing that as it unfolded and watching the me manager drive away in, his, in the vehicle we put him in, yeah, I guess it was after the event. Regardless of, of his attitude, it went much better than... I thought it could have like two days ago. So where is this person now? I mean, I would assume that there are internet celebrities who still need managing. Have you had any contact with Grumpy Cat's former manager since then? Well, no, I mean, I don't work at Madame Dussault's anymore and he's not worth my time keeping track of what he does. Uh, you don't I, sound sorry that you haven't had any contact with him. No, no, I, I'm not sorry that I don't have any contact with him. I hope he's, I hope he's successful doing what he's doing. I know he's out there because when Grumpy Cat did die, uh, he was quoted in an article. So, so he's still out there doing what he does and good for him. I hope that, you know, I think part of the reason why I am a little more generous to him than you probably expected I would be is it was four years ago. So I'm hoping that over that time, he's become a different person. He's learned how to channel his stress and his anxiety and doesn't belittle people and take it out on other people. He could be a different person today. When Grumpy Cat passed away recently, you actually posted to Facebook a picture in remembrance of this day. And in the comments, you said, and I'm quoting here, I may look happy in this photo, but I was screaming inside. Yeah. <laughs> Not to put too fine a point on it, but did this become for you sort of a, a watershed moment for you in your career? Um... Yeah, it was the culmination of a few things. And I basically just had to take ownership of the entire situation and make it work. So 
at that moment, it, it taught me that I'm going to have to to rely on myself and not be afraid to rely on myself and my own instincts, but also to be willing to rely on the people around me too, who are there, like the operations manager who did come around the corner and he clearly acknowledged that even though I thought I was hiding it, that I was shook. And he gave me that bottle of scotch later. You know, those are the people that I value that, that can do the little things to express support when necessary. You've moved on in your career to a different company in a different role, and you're now in more of a content marketing sort of position. But is there some relief in knowing that your days of wrangling the misanthropic managers of internet cats have come to a close? Or do you still miss the absurdity of it just a little bit? I, I love my current job and I love the culture of my current company, but there are times where I do miss that crazy absurdity of it because for every grumpy cat me manager, there was a Zendaya. Most people now know her from Spider-Man Homecoming, but she was a Disney star and very popular with kids. And we got to launch not only just one of her wax figures, but two of her wax figures. So we did a triple side by side, which was really cool. Um, she's, and she's from Oakland where I, where I live. And she came in and her family was there and she was so sweet. Her manager was so nice. Everybody was so positive. There were all these kids in the attraction who got to meet her and they're all starstruck and she handled them so well and was so welcoming. So and Grumpy Cat, I should say, was also very friendly and welcoming too. But for every guy like Grumpy's manager, there's probably a dozen that are more like Zendaya's. I always kind of hold them up as like a contrast. Because they were complete opposite days. One was very peaceful and, and easy. And the, the celebrity aspect of it was simple um, because they made it easy. And on the other hand, you had Grumpy Cat, who was a great cat. Her owner was fantastic. But then this one person as part of their contingent really brought all this stress in for everybody else who was involved. Well, I think that is a good point to end on. If there's a moral to this story, and I think there is, it's don't be that guy that takes a, an otherwise perfectly acceptable situation and just makes it miserable for everybody. Uh, Jesse Russell, I have to thank you, not only for sharing your tale with us, but for breaking me out of an existential funk that I was having. I think I told you already, but I was sort of struggling with the notion of what sort of podcast I should launch as the brand flagship of the new business venture. I tell my clients that there's no point in having a podcast that does what a hundred other podcasts have already done before, either be original or don't bother. But there are literally a thousand other marketing podcasts out there, and I didn't want to just dump one more cardboard cutout best practices show into the ether. So your post about Grumpy Cat was a flash of inspiration when I sorely needed it uh, to explore the dark side of the communications field. So <laughs> from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Uh, you're a wonderfully creative and fearless person. I've always enjoyed collaborating with you since the days that we were both in Madison, Wisconsin. And uh, stay in touch and look forward to doing this again sometime. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Dusty. That's Jesse Russell, the former marketing coordinator at Madame Tussauds in San Francisco. Follow him on Twitter at CometStarMoon. I hope you've enjoyed this inaugural episode of Lead Balloon enough to subscribe to our feed, maybe leave a comment or tell your friends. If you can top the indignation of being yelled at by a cat's manager, maybe you could be featured in a future episode of Lead Balloon. Shoot me an email, dusty at podcampmedia.com. Lead Balloon is produced by Podcamp Media, where we provide branded podcast production solutions for businesses. 
Check out our website, podcampmedia.com. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn as well. Until the next time, thanks for listening. I'm Dustin Weiss. Thank you.